this is going to be another interview episode today, and uh, this time I'm going to be talking to the wonderful Ravenhilde from Iceland, aka Habba. Uh, Ravenhilde specialises in hand poke. Um, as far as I know, I don't think she's ever tattooed with machine, which is pretty incredible. She's an amazing tattoo artist and a very good friend of mine, so uh, it's an absolute pleasure to get to interview her, so let's get into it. Ravenhilda, let's do this. How are you keeping? I'm good. How are you? I'm not too bad. So uh, I will just begin by saying that some people know you as uh, Habanero and others such as myself know your true name, Ravenhilda. My secret name. Exactly. So um, obviously you are Icelandic and it's an Icelandic name. Would you start off by telling us what your name means? So my name is put together by two words. It's rap, which means raven, and hildr, that is an old Norse word for battlefield. So, like, it's the feminine version of that, so you could say it means Valkyrie, or, like, a battle woman. So, obviously, it's very cool. And I started out by calling myself uh, Raven Valkyrie on, like, Instagram and all those platforms, but I realized it was way too hot topic so i changed it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so bloody cool i love it i know uh, well yeah i think we discussed this before though about the fact that you're actually you know naturally very very blonde and there you are like named after a raven yeah so my grandmother was not happy about that <laughs> but now i'm probably more dark than i am like you know, my, my skin is more dark than it is fair, so maybe it's fitting. Yeah. Well, we are both on a track to getting quite heavily tattooed. I don't know about you, but I certainly... Yeah. Um, well, I always knew I was going to have tattoos, but I never thought... I never, like, sort of consciously said, I'm going to be, like, 90% covered. And and now I'm about 50% covered, and I, I, I just think... Yeah, got, still got lots of ideas of things I'd really, really like to have done. It's definitely a never-ending story. Like, as soon as you fill in some part of your body, you think, oh, what can I do to maybe do a blast over? Or, you know, maybe I can do some white on this. Mm. Mm. So, I don't yeah. think we're ever going to be finished. Yeah. And uh, for uh, you know, for those that don't know, if they don't know, uh, myself and Travenhilda, we are both tattooers. So we will both have heard that uh, that classic line. We hear lots of classic lines, but one of them is, oh, yeah, I only intend on getting this one and then I'm done. And I'm like, yeah, 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 we'll see. <laughs> just just wait. Just wait until we're done with this tattoo yeah. and then you'll see. You know, people say they're addictive. I don't, in no way do I think, yeah, you get addicted to the pain. I think you get addicted to the idea of, thinking like you know it's that whole thing of it it's pandora's box it opens the possibilities of what you could adorn yourself with i absolutely hate getting tattooed i really really yeah, hate too. it but as soon as that needle or like that machine goes on the table um i just want to keep going want to do another yeah. one and another one just keep going <laughs> yeah well 
that's what's uh, so interesting about it, isn't it? It's the um, it's the thing that you can't remember. Like, I, well, this is what I've been told, and I think it's true to a degree at least. You can't remember pain. We we are hardwired not to remember it because otherwise we wouldn't want to do anything that could be a little bit scary. But you you know, I don't know about you, but I remember thinking, okay, that tattoo, like say on my sternum, you know, that was that was fucking awful. And I just remember thinking, I never want to do this ever again. That's the worst ever, but I can't quite remember it. But it still doesn't stop me from wanting to have more. Well, you kinda did that to me with the elbow ditch and, you know, the wrists <laughs> and <laughs> the rest of it. It's just with awful. The but I can't wait to get my next tattoo. I'm just counting down the days. And it's been really hard to, you know, get all my tattoos done. Because usually I get at least, I think I at least eight sessions a year. Yeah. But now, since I'm stuck in Iceland, I only get like a few so often. Because I'm lucky enough to work with some amazing people. Like uh, our friend Seva. And at least she can do a little bit. Yeah, she does some beautiful work. Yeah. yeah. I was actually just tattooing her face today. No way. What'd you do? Yeah. I did uh, some forehead adornments. Um, and I already did her cheeks, like you've probably seen. Yeah. And um, added to her forehead. And you'll probably be able to see that on my Instagram quite soon. Very cool. Lovely. So that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. So stressful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially tattooing and another tattooist as well, because you know the pressure just goes through the roof, doesn't it? Yeah, especially especially friends and tattooers who absolutely trust you one hundred percent is like, oh, okay, so you can't even say, oh, I don't think that will look good, because <laughs> they just go like, yeah, let's do it, and they're like, oh my god, maybe it will just look terrible, but luckily it didn't. It was fun. Awesome. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like so. You know, anyone can come up to me and say, like, you know, I've got this and this idea or whatever. And for, for me, as I know it will be for you as well, you can instantly make sense of what is going to be aesthetically, what's going to work aesthetically and what's going to be cool. And But when it comes to yourself, there's all of those voices of, is it going to look shit? Am I, make, am I going to ruin everything? <laughs> Or, but I think it's cool. Oh, am I going to make this beautiful person just look weird and awful? <laughs> Is she going to be like put on this one of those Instagram blogs with the terrible tattoos? Yeah. It's funny that you, you know, actually popped into my head when you said about how much tattoos hurt. I thought about Mundy Malarkey and his uh, incessant it's, it's memes genius. about saying it feels like liquid lava. <laughs> oh, oh, lava is liquid, but it feels yep. like li- yeah. <laughs> liquid fire. Uh, just poured across Sounds your flesh. Sounds about right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some some tattooers are definitely crueler than others, you know, with their application of pain. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, it, that's that's the thing. As I say that, it doesn't mean that you know the, the, some tattooers are better than others. The outcome's going to be different. Some just some people naturally have a heavy hand. Yeah. Uh, S. As gentle as you can be, it's still always going to be horrendous. It's going to be liquid fire every time. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I was also, um, I was thinking a second ago, The uh, I say a second ago, five minutes ago, however long ago, in the past, 
in this conversation. Um, all right. So, so what I was thinking is that, that, you know, in this day and age in tattooing in the West, it's, it is quite an important part of it, of the aesthetics of tattooing, but that's, that's, that's the, you know, one of the beauties of tattooing is it can, it can be so many things. It can mean so many things. It can literally, you know, tattoos can be just pretty pictures on the skin. They can be spells, and they can be, you know, uh, marks for, for various different reasons and so on. And uh, like, uh, you know, don't have to be aesthetically pleasing in any way. And that's like, that's just not even a part of it for some people in their stuff, you know. But um, obviously, you know, so one of the things I love about uh, the Nordic tattooing, which, uh, you know, which you are very much a part of is, is there's the all of the different artists within what we do sort of hyper focus on different areas of of all of these things and obviously you and you you do a lot of work with the uh, Icelandic magic stuff don't you yeah that's one of my favorite things to do and um i've started to uh make my own journey of it so i take i take the older staves that you know were found in the 16th century and i make it my own and I make new designs and make it fit the person that I'm working with. And it's kind of a new thing uh, combined with the older things. Yeah. What I really like doing. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's wonderful. Because that's the thing, as well as your, uh, you know, what you do with staves and runes and so on. Because you, you pretty much exclusively tattoo... Uh, by hand you don't use machines at all do you no yeah like just chopstick and a needle yeah but that's the thing as well as as doing the icelandic stuff you also do a lot of um well i I don't really know what to call it it's almost like pointillism it's it's a realism but in your style uh, you know and that there's there's the, the two sides to your work in that way isn't there i kind of enjoy doing all sorts i like to dip my toes in whatever is cast at me um i really enjoy realism in its own way but as you said with with pointillism uh i love doing animals herbs plants and everything in between i like doing some weird stuff as well yeah i've gotten really weird requests and it's just it's all so fun and I'm surprised that one of my tattoos hasn't come up on one of those, you know, those weird Instagram sites. But you know, maybe I don't I don't get enough of those really weird things. But I do enjoy it when it comes yeah. comes on my table. So just doing a shout out to anyone that wants anything really weird, like Ravenhilda is your lady. Yeah, just please bring me some weird <laughs> shit. But that's what I love, though, about, you know, when you post your work and stuff, you never quite know what it's going to be. And that's, you know, that's lovely. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's uh, that's something that I've always thought is so wonderful about your work. Um, I'm sorry, I'm just flattering you, but like, uh, you know, the fact that you are Icelandic and you, you do, the, you work with, uh, you know, with um, the the Icelandic culture in that way. And it's not, it's not sort of so there's the, you know the, there's a there's a tendency for some people to sort of um fake it till you make it sort of thing with working with with runes and so on 
like there's a lot of people that just tattoo them not knowing what the hell they even are when you know not only do you know what they are but it's so natural for you because it is just a part of what you do day in and day out with what you've grown up with it's we started learning about it in primary school i don't even remember how old i was maybe eight eight or nine it was very early on and they taught us about the history of iceland and obviously runes are a big part of uh you know when people settled here in iceland they would still use runes and uh, then christianity came around the year thousand and um, people did it more in secretive uh, secret so I don't know, it has more appeal to me because of that, because people had to do it in secret and they had to make these staves and this magic in secret. And if you were found with a magic book or script or anything in your possession, you could probably be drowned or killed in some way. So it was definitely tough and it's very interesting learning about the history of how runes and magical staves were used in Iceland back in the day. Yeah. And so so one, what I think is so wonderful about them from what I've looked into as well is, you know, from the outset, let's just let's say like the Vegvasir, for instance, is that's the most popular of them, I would say. And it's it's a beautiful looking symbol. There's a reason why it's been adopted by the Asatru's community as a symbol of the, the you know, the the faith. Um, but and 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 again, like you know, you're going to look it up on Google. It's going to say, you know, you know, carve this symbol on your forehead, and it will guide you through any storm, and you'll never get lost. Whereas Viking compass, yeah, Viking compass, and uh, you know, the reality of probably what it was more used for in the day it was probably a little bit more humble, but still very, very cool. I, I've I've wondered what exactly it means. It's the idea of casting it in lead, wearing it between the eyes, and it'll get you through a storm um, or something. Um, at least the Helm of Awe, or Aya's Helmer, that was meant to be uh, used, like carved on your foreheads. Using... Oh, fuck yeah, it makes them up. Yeah, <laughs> it's all good. Uh, yeah, I, I don't remember exactly out of my head like how you were meant to cast it, but it was meant to be worn on your forehead to terrify your enemies, and the Vagvisir was meant to um, get you through, you know, fog and mist and, you know, just get you through rough weather so you get home. But it was probably... Yeah, probably, in reality, though, just from one, one farm to another. Exactly, that's what I was just to about to say. I was like, yeah, it's probably for those farmers that went uh, up on the mountains to check on their sheep or something to try to get them home and you know that's probably how it was used it was not like great viking warriors that were like ship sailing through the rough seas you know it's it was mainly the icelandic magical staves were mainly used by farmers because that's basically what iceland consisted of it was just farmers yeah well you know i got that in common with you as well wales has been mostly farmers as well well, saying that, everywhere was mostly farmers in a way. It's just that some, you know, in the past, the warrior cultures and stuff has always been a very small majority of an aristocracy at the top, or you know, someone that's just basically living a parasitic existence off farmers. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah, in Iceland and Wales, lots of sheep. 
So lots of uh, lots of jokes about shag and sheep as well. <laughs> yeah, I see lots of similarities between twins. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Let me start again. I see lots of similarities between Wales and Iceland, um, as you've probably seen when you've visited. Yeah. It's been. It's like you can see that it was mostly farmers, but maybe in Wales there was more. More of uh, like castles and and things like that, and you're maybe more ready for wars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot more scars of all of that sort of stuff in Wales uh, because, well, we had to contend with England. Obviously, we lost uh, historically, uh, but um, yeah. So sort of Scandinavia doesn't really have castles in the way that, uh, well. Britain and, and a lot of Europe does. But it's always been very different, hasn't it? You know, the population, uh, Iceland's population used to be a hell of a lot higher before the plague and it never really recovered. So, so that's sort of very different to think about, like, um, not obviously that would have been like the, the mid-1300s or, you know, early 1300s, but, you know, that, that, that changed the whole world. But, like, Britain, I say the whole world, it changed Europe especially. But, like... Um, you know, since we're talking about Wales, Wales definitely recovered from it, but uh, Iceland... I'd, I'd... It it was a good thing for Iceland. I know it's a horrible thing to say, but um, out of all the storybooks that I've read about the Black Plague coming to Iceland is that, you know, it killed off a lot of people, but the people who were left behind, all of a sudden, they could afford food. They could afford to live comfortably. And so... I don't know, it was definitely a blessing in disguise for the remaining people. And I'm sure they felt pretty guilty about that, but at yeah. least now they had food in their bellies. Yeah. Well, that's it's the same with, uh, you know, with with, uh, with Britain in that, that way as well. It was obviously, you know, because it's, it's horrible to say that, yeah, things improved after in some ways, but, you know, it did. Um, the, uh, you know, the middle class couldn't, couldn't um, just completely enslave the lower classes anymore. I say the middle class, the upper class couldn't just completely enslave the lower classes anymore. They had to, they had to kind of um, buy them a little bit more, and the quality of lives went up and so on. But it, but still, like, I mean, I can't bloody imagine what that would have done. Um, like the, so I, you know, as you know, uh, I live in Chandidno, my hometown. But the uh, the, the next town over the hill is a place called Deganwe, and there wasn't a single survivor uh, left over from the plague there. That's so, really rough. Yeah, again, it would have it would have opened up a lot of land for people. You know, they would have had a lot more space. But maybe, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how it is in Iceland, but I know in in Norway they still were calling like oh, you know, like farmsteads and so on. They would call the uh, the ghost farmsteads I don't know the term for it but there was a name to imply that they hadn't been repopulated after those events uh, the the Osseberg bur- um, burial um, that that you know where that mound was was in one of these places so it was one of the reasons a ship wasn't ever dug up because it was considered as cursed and if you go in you get the plague oh, oh no <laughs> yeah there's actually a ditch and near my friend's farm in the east side of Iceland, where I'm going to take you one day. Nice. Um, and you cannot 
bury anywhere around there because there's still people like there's mass grave which is like five people but it's still considered mass <laughs> for the population of Iceland at that time but like yeah you can't dig there because they died of the black plague and if we dig it up um things might go south yeah bad luck at the very very least mm. i think that's crazy i can still you can still mess things up with a black plague <laughs> just don't go digging in your backyard yeah. Yeah. Was so. Uh, I I actually don't know about this. Is is there a ch- is there a chance that some infection can still come out of it? Or? Yeah, I guess so. Like that's what my friend said. At mm. least uh, that the virus just um, it just hibernates, and if you dig it out and it comes in touch with the air or like a new host or something, then you know you can get the black plague again. Oh, I don't I like guess. that. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I have to say it makes it makes the wilderness pretty yeah. scary. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure if that's fake news or not, but either way, I don't want to do it. <laughs> no, let's just let's just keep it safe and not dig around. Yeah. Saying that though, I I do really want to go digging around, like in my area. There's so many cool things that they're not allowed to dig up on, uh, like uh, around the Great Orm and stuff, because. Because of this one bloody flower that's endangered, and there's only three or four of them in the whole world, so no one's allowed to dig on the Holy Orm because of it. And they know full well where some of these ancient sites are. So I'm just wondering if I could like do uh, you know, some uh, flash excavation. Are they not? Uh, treasure. Are they not waiting until they get better equipment like they are in in Norway? You know, at Mikarsblot, all those mounts there. Um, they're just waiting for their equipment to be better so they can x-ray uh, mounts properly without ruining things. I hope so. I hope that's the case. But um mm. I bloody hope so. But I, I haven't heard anything about it. I just sort of feel like it's been swept up under the rug because it's a pretty place and no one wants to do anything with it. It's wonderful because it's just captured in time. Mm. Um, but I want to know what's in there. I mean, it's actually one of my ambitions with, uh, you know, when um, when I helped come up with the idea of Northern Fire, that maybe one day, if uh, if it ever got enough of a surplus of money, that we could start to fund archaeological digs and things, or surveys at the very least. You know what I mean? Well, if you want, I can bring a, a shovel next time I'm in Wales. Let's fucking do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm super down. Yeah. So um, I think we should go back to tattooing. All right. Right. So we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, you, you, um, you are very open to to uh, to doing stuff outside of your comfort zone and stuff, and and you are known for that, which is kind of wonderful because because that's one of the things, you know, if you get pigeonholed and doing one thing, then then you're stuck doing that. But um, so you were uh, tell us a little bit about how you how you tattoo by hand. Then um, I put a needle on a chopstick. And I poke the skin. No, I'm kidding. Um, how do I do it? <laughs> uh, my main thing that I really like to do is to draw on freehand. And obviously that's what you do as well. Like, almost exclusively. Uh, and it just makes everything flow much better with the body. I do use stencils from time to time. But it just it's not the same. Yeah. As you know. And 
I don't know, I just, I really enjoy discussing what the person wants out of the tattoo. What, like, if they're just searching for something aesthetically pleasing, or if they're searching for something deeper, if they're searching for magical aid, or just, if they just want something pretty, it's fine. But it's nice to just sit down with your client and just see what they want and work from there. Yeah. Yeah, because I have seen you in action and, uh, you know, because you are very, very sort of easygoing and easy to talk to. So that's half the battle to get people to sort of open up and to be able to express comfortably what it is that they want to have tattooed, not feel peer pressure to to, to go in one direction or the other. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I want it for myself that I can always back out of a tattoo. It's not not that I do it, but I want to have the option to do it. I don't want to feel pressured by my tattoo artist to get something that I'm not really feeling. Um, I think trust plays a big part of it. And that's why a discussion is always better. Like, so the client can express themselves completely like what... If they're not feeling anything about the design or if they were thinking about something else, I think it's much better that the client says it beforehand rather than regretting something later and maybe, you know, going around saying that they just, you know, didn't really feel about, like, feel saying no. Yeah. And they just wanted to be polite or something. Uh, So I think, I think just, Discussion is so important about the tattoo session and just feeling each other, like getting to know each other beforehand. It doesn't have to take long. It can just be a five minute conversation. It can be a half an hour conversation and um, just seeing seeing how you connect, like what, what you both want out of the tattoo session. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's um, for... For me, it's one of the things that's really difficult when when people ask if they can discuss ideas over the internet. And I pretty much just say there's absolutely no point. You can tell me your ideas of what you're thinking. You can show pictures if you have existing work and the area of skin and so on. But until that human connection is made and you can sort of make the the connection between minds and you can read the person because when, you know, that's one of the things that's difficult over this is that, you know, me and you were talking over, over... over Skype and we are we are talking with uh, with our faces and our hands as well as verbally and that's what has to happen you know when when you're you know when you're trying to do that with someone about a, a you know an idea of a tattoo and and again it is so important to read those signs of when you know because some people can be too agreeable for their own good in these situations when you know if they're not completely happy with something you've got to be able to try and read it to to see like you know you know because obviously uh i i have zero quarrels if i if if i've just spent however long doing a design and someone's like i actually want you to move the whole thing left an inch you know that's something that should definitely be said because they're the you know they're the person that has to live with it forever yeah it's it's their design (laughs) it's not your you're you're the artist they're the canvas but they walk out with a piece and i completely agree yeah and that's why I don't do consultations over the internet and I find it very hard for people even to walk in beforehand 
you know, before the tattoo ex uh, appointment to have a consultation because I don't feel like we're both relaxing enough, you know, just like speaking for five minutes and then they're rushed out before I go to my next appointment or something. I want to have plenty of time, like even if we don't end up doing the tattoo, just sitting down with your client, you're both relaxed, you just have a coffee or water and yeah, relax instead of mm. coming in, getting rushed. You don't really get to know the person that way. And um, I also agree with the, with the internet, like it just, it doesn't work. I have a handful of clients where I can go like, oh, what were you thinking about having in the next session? Like, oh, I'm not, I'm not sure, like maybe a flower or, or a stave. It's like, okay, do you want me to design it for you? Like, sure. And I know I can do it exactly yeah. how they would like it because yeah. I've gotten to know the person no, and over time. That's what I, I do like about about your ethics towards this because I think you're on the same page as me. Is um, I always aim to set out to be the tattooist that I would like to go to. You know, because I, I, I have, I've got scars all over me of uh, <laughs> examples of tattoo work that is how I think it should not be done and so on I literally like I was I was about 21 and I had this one done on like a band on the top of my right arm and it's so funny because like when I think about it now I did exactly what I what I uh it's one of my pet hates which is um so obviously I'm gonna have to explain this in great detail because I can't show anyone listening <laughs> there's a couple of things that you know that always uh always make me laugh um so, so obviously, like when you're drawing the design on the skin, or you're putting a stencil on whatever you do, you say to the person that's you know that's having it on, like, okay, I want you to just stand up and just relax, just have your arms at your side, and then people all of a sudden, you know, they go from this, you know, relaxed posture to twisting their arm almost a full, you know, <laughs> ninety degrees or something. You're like, is that is that how you hold your arm? I'm like, I think so. <laughs> I don't know how to stand. Yeah, I've completely forgotten how to be human. So I, I must have done exactly this all of those years ago, you know, 10 years, well, not 10 years, but a few, five years before I became a tattooist or something. So he put the design on weird and then he scrubbed it off and then he put it on again. And and I was like, oh, I don't know. So then he put it on a third time and said, like, look, that's it. That's as good as it gets. He, do you want it or not? And I was like, yeah, I guess so. So now it's it's definitely... It's got that mark that I was standing like one of those people twisting my arm. <laughs> <laughs> Showing off. <laughs> yeah. I still like it though. I still love it actually. But um it is funny to to you know to think that, you know, I become what I hated. Or the other the other way around, you know. <laughs> well I do I I do really enjoy looking at your collection when we're having a drink <laughs> and just seeing, you know, the years of you tattoo apprenticing and you know all those moments in between <laughs> it's really fun all those terrible moments on myself oh it's lovely yeah my legs it literally it literally starts off terrible from the ankles and slowly gets a little bit better as it goes up <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't have that problem luckily when when i started tattooing way uh, before then i couldn't even afford you know regular food no i'm just joking <laughs> um i couldn't afford tattoos it took me ages to save up for my first big one that was the one that got me into tattooing so i'm actually lucky that i don't have collection of little stamps here and there because i would have 
awful stuff. The things I was into when I was around 18 and before then, oh my god. Yeah, it's, same here. I just cringe at the thought that I would be covered in song lyrics and, you know, nothing wrong with that, by the way. It's just the song lyrics I liked back then. Yeah. But, oh, it would be so bad. No, I know what you mean. Sadly, I do have, uh, I have some of those memories still, still on me. And as it is my very first tattoo, I still love to pieces, even if it is getting swallowed up by another design now. It's still there. It's still a part of it. Um, someone that I really, really respect once said to me that, um, you know, even if the ink gets incorporated into something else, whatever, it's still a part of your journey as, you know, of, as an individual of uh, at having tattoos because he, he thinks of it all as like, he, uh, he definitely has that sort of ancient approach to it, which, which uh, I have adopted the idea that, you know, it's a part of your story for better or worse. And I guess in some ways that's something that people have to come to terms with is that they don't always like who they were in the past or whatever, but I'm not saying you should have to live with that burden forever, but having that ink underneath something, if you're going to incorporate into something else or even cover it, it's still kind of nice in a way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Just but, some, some of us are lucky enough to... Uh, I don't know, maybe start to be able to afford tattoos when you're better, like a little bit more steady in your life and in your taste. Yeah. But, you know, there's always options. You can you can either have it as a part of your journey, it's like, it's really beautiful, or you can just um, change it to something that you maybe, yeah. you know, yeah, maybe you recognize it a little bit better when you look in the mirror. Yeah, and because I will also say on this, I, I did experiment with having a tattoo lasered off. My first tattoo I loved, the second one was a Grim Reaper, and um, it wasn't a fantastic idea at the time. It had meaning, I'm not going to go into that, but I will say that when she did it, she did a smiley face under the hood instead of a skull, and I was I was devastated. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I had it the hood covered coloured in so it was at least a bit more dark and foreboding but I, st- I still um still didn't really feel very connected to it so I got it lasered off and I had three sessions on it and uh, I, I don't know if it's just me I know some people you know that, that's fine for them but for me it was it was fucking horrible um on the last session I had uh, I was itchy all over my body for about a month and a half, and it was it was nasty, and I was worried it was just never going to stop. Just it was that thing, you know. I just scratched my hand, you know, I had an itch, and then ten ten seconds later, it stopped mm. burning. So yeah, it's so I'd never. I I don't I, I personally don't like I've it. I've heard that lasering is horrendous. Um, so. To all the people who are listening right now, I will just say, do your research beforehand because you want to yeah. avoid getting lasered. Yes, exactly. But um, yeah, and it was painful to have done, but it really did feel like I had lava under my skin afterwards. Well, it, and uh, it wasn't for me, but I don't know. Like that's you know that's the thing. If anyone does doesn't have tattoos, once the ink is in your skin, like and once it's healed, 
Uh, it usually doesn't take very long, um, a week, two weeks, a, a month until it's completely down. Then it's you don't even notice it at all if it's done right. Yeah. And if, it, if it's a bit heavy, uh, then it can feel like Braille when you get a bit warm. But, you know, maybe that's something you want to go for. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes it happens. It just... <laughs> It happens to the best of us, and from time to time, it will get really irritated and really raised and really horrible. Yeah, yeah. I do have that with bits and pieces as well in places. I don't know why you're looking at me like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we had to do it. Yeah. We had to do it this way. It's um, yeah. It's just like this tiny part of the finger that just didn't want to, like the ink just didn't want to go in. But sometimes it gets hot and angry. But it only lasts for about three days or so. Yeah, it's okay. I forgive you. <laughs> oh, it only lasts a lifetime. <laughs> it's there forever. Yeah. But um. So where would you like to see uh, your career go in the future, tattoo-wise? Do you have any, like, dream projects that you want to try and do? Oh, uh, definitely. I would absolutely love to do more big pieces. And I have been... I have been thinking about picking up the machine just to kind of go in the direction of, for example, Colin Dale. I look to, up to him so much. And the way he does hand poking is he often uses machine for the lines and then he uh, does the shading with dot work or like hand poke. Um, and I think that would really simplify things for the vi envision I, I see in my head, like what kind of work I want to do in the future. And I just need to start traveling again and I need to get the right people to come come to me to do it but you know it will take time and I'll probably have to give people examples of what I'm thinking about you know drawing it beforehand yeah and that's okay like it will, it will happen in the future but with with tattooing itself for me my dream is to actually move out of the city here in Iceland I would really love to move to a small town or even just a farm outside of Reykjavik, not too far away. And my dream is to open up a little shop. And it doesn't even have to be a tattoo shop. It can be a little nice cafe with lots of little handcrafts from artists all over. It's like just from Northern Fire and everything. And maybe have a little tattoo studio corner that people like my friends like you and others can come and visit me at and Seubo will be working there as well my fiance and it will just it's my dream and I'm hoping I will see that in the next couple of years or at least within five years so we'll see what happens that sounds lovely yeah yeah I like the sound of that. Yeah, would love to have you as the first guest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, count me in. <laughs> I bloody love Iceland. I've I've really enjoyed yeah. my my trips over there, and it was um, it was a it was a real privilege to get to uh, have a tour of 
a few in Sigurbody and when we went to the the museum of, uh, of of magic and all of that. For everybody who comes to Iceland, they should definitely go to Holmavik yeah. to visit the witchcraft museum. It's that's that's another thing I would really like to include in the little shop. I would like to have a little corner de- dedicated to witchcraft, uh, just like a little museum. So a mini museum in South Iceland. And I already had have, have the right people lined up that can help me out with getting uh, old and rare books and information about witchcraft that is not common knowledge. So I am really looking forward to making this idea into reality. Yeah. And maybe just how the, the penis museum and uh you know Reykjavik has donors lined up for you know to donate the the dicks to it maybe like just like making the necro pants you can get people to to you know to don their their skin to be made into future necro pants as well well that is the part of the deal with necro pants you actually have to make a pact about doing it beforehand you can't just take a poor sucker and skin his trousers off you just have <laughs> to get his permission to do it <laughs> yeah so sean do you want to <laughs> You know what? I don't think. If you die before me, uh, well, I don't think I'm the right size, but you're more than welcome to try. <laughs> well, they're fused to your own skin, so it's all good. Yeah, I'm a bit, I'm a bit taller than you, so either you cut them off at the ankle, <laughs> or you just have a lot of loose skin at the, <laughs> at the feet. Well, have you seen my butt? It's. I think it's gonna be fine. All right, yeah, let's give it a go. I'll make, I'll, I'll sign the paper. Show me where to sign. Yeah, you can, you can do the same if I die before you. But Very I good. don't have a scrotum, so I'm not sure how it will work. Well, you will do. You will oh, do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you Maybe just it's better to... to have a coin purse than a scrotum purse. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm not providing the coin as well, though. You're gonna have to find that for yourself. That's that's to be stolen from a poor widow. You need to find a poor widow somewhere with a, a nice nice coin yeah. to steal. Well, widows do usually have nice coins. That's how I, it works, right? I, I do believe so. So just for, for people that don't know exactly what we're talking about, can you can you tell us how the uh, the magic of the necropants works? Yeah, so the, um, the stave in the book, the Sorcerer's Screed, um it tells, of a, it tells a story of necropants. And basically what you're meant to do with the necropens is you're you're meant to make a pact with your be- best friend. Or it doesn't have to be a best friend. It can just be, you know, somebody annoying from the village or something. Uh, you make a pact with them. Someone with the same size legs. Yeah, hopefully. But, you know, I, th- I don't think that's, that's necessarily needed. I think um, because with the magic, it's all like, oh, it just fits like a glove, you know. Um, so you're meant to make a pact with somebody that when they die, you can uh, flay their skin from the waist down and inscribe the magical stave onto, um, how do you say, like below the belly button and above the bikini line, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you're like nice and fancy. You're meant to inscribe it there. You're meant to steal a coin from a poor poor widow. You're meant to put it in the scrotum. And then, you know, do some flippity-floop, recite some 
you know, magical spelling and put the trousers on and they will fuse to your own. <laughs> I love that. That's the most technical thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, flippity floop. Uh, then they will infuse with your Once own... Once thou has adorned the trousers, <laughs> thou must flippity floop and say magical words. <laughs> Abracadabra flippity floop. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so lovely. they fuse with your own skin and from then on you your scrotum will always be filled with coins. <laughs> and that's it. Wow. The end. <laughs> and they all lived happily ever after. With coins in their scrotum. I don't know if that's necessarily really comfortable to walk with, you know, just like pew, 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 pew. I don't know. Yeah. You've really got to scrape off all of the uh, all of the fat, otherwise it's really going to start to smell, especially in the summer. Not not that it gets particularly hot in Iceland, but still. Do you have experience with this, Sean? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What can I say? Mm. Um, just out of curiosity, how are you supposed? Do, do you know how you're supposed to put on the symbol, like a between under the belly button? Uh, I don't remember if you're meant to carve it or if you're meant to draw it with, you know, it's probably blood from your left nipple and your right pinky or something, you know, something ridiculous, like all those spells um, yeah. need for some reason. Um, I don't remember exactly, but like before you die, so you you better know when you're going to die, you need to make a pact with somebody else to take them off your hands. Um, otherwise, you'll be hunted forever. So the way you have to do it is you have to take off one of the legs. The other person has to put one of the legs on and then you can take it off completely. Yeah. Because otherwise you'll roam the earth and be all miserable with, you know, coin scrolling. <laughs> it's so surreal. I love it. That's just one of the stories of the magical staves. One of the stories, you know? Yeah. Um, there's so many really ridiculous spells out there. Do you know as well about the... Um, I, I, I say, do you know? Of course I know you know. It was uh, There was a little thing about it at the museum as well. The butter, the butter-stealing creature thingy made out of the rib. Um, I'm thinking which one you're talking about. Are you talking... It's something roughly along the lines of you get you get a rib of a dead man or something of a you get a rib of a something dead and you wrap wool around it and then you make a you make a cut on the inside of your thigh and you're supposed to start to suckle it and it until eventually the thing on your leg turns into a little nipple and then it starts suckling and then it turns into a creature and you can train it to go out and steal butter from your neighbors yeah uh yeah that's what i thought you were talking about i just you know, so used to having those in my life that I didn't even think about it. Uh, yeah. I have one on my thigh right now. Bothersome creatures. Yeah, that's why I always have butter in my fridge. Yeah, but what do you, th- what do you think's the trade-off? I mean, because it just seems a bit counterproductive when you really think about it, because you're going to have to... You, you, it takes energy to produce milk, especially if it's coming from somewhere as peculiar as your leg. So then the butter is just going to get turned into milk. So it's all, you're losing out, really. It's only the the creature made out of the rib that's really winning in this one. Do you know what I mean? Um, I guess, I guess when people are starving, they do the craziest shit. Yeah, I guess. Um, but this, this, 
this creature, you have to do something to kill it off. I don't remember exactly what you do, but if it becomes too big and horrible, it will just start sucking on your thigh nipple until it turns raw and starts bleeding. And uh, it's just, you know, horrible description. No one wants that. Um, yeah, but you have to kill it in some specific way. So, you know, it doesn't just kill you in the end. You know what? I actually have a space on the inside of my leg. I think either you're going to have to just tattoo a little nipple there or even the whole creature like just <laughs> living and suckling on me. And hopefully I'll get some, some milk from I would from really, it. really love to milk, do that. Milk, what am I talking about? Butter. We can also tattoo some scrotum coins on your scrotum. <laughs> Maybe just a, just a widow's coin. Just on. <laughs> oh, I'm like, can we have the queen on it? No, the British queen. <laughs> I think in reality we'd have to do one of the uh, the ancient Iron Age British ones, you know, with one of the weird horses. Ironically, after everything we're talking about, these horses are usually depicted as having udders and squirting milk as well. So, yeah, all of the juices. Let's do it. That's very fitting. I think if we stretch it out as well, we can do some very nice details. You know what? I wasn't joking about doing the uh, the thing on the inside of the leg, but I'm really not sure about getting that one. No, <laughs> me neither. Let's do it. I'm super down. Maybe just wait again, until you get it. If I could have it on the leg, so it's close by, so when I press my legs together, the coin touches it, and then is <laughs> that's close enough, isn't it? Oh, we have so many plans. <laughs> I know we don't need to talk about what we're doing on you. We've still, well, still got a lot of uh, tattooing to finish off your your work that we began all of those moons ago. Yeah, I am looking forward to it and dreading it at the same time, as yeah. with all my tattoos. You know, funnily enough, because you are quite well known for doing uh, hand tattoos, and you you have made it quite clear that that you are after my my pure virgin palms. I do think every now and then. You know, oh, it would be kind of cool to have something on my palms, but I don't know. It's so naked. I know they, they really are. I mean, I used to like that, but now, now I'm starting to think. Yeah. Again, you start tattooing. Well, you, you've, you've tattooed my palm. I think it's only fair that I tattoo yours. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know. That's one of the few places because I have actually. Uh, I ripped off the skin on my palm uh, on a climbing frame once, and then I had to go to the tattooing like half an hour later. And I, so I just sprayed alcohol all over it before putting gloves on. And it was, I remember thinking that was one of the most painful things I've ever done. Oh. I, I was, you know, dancing and screaming on the spot. Uh, so I imagine the idea of going through that. I mean, that was literally the whole palm all at once exposed to alcohol. So I'm guessing it's not going to be quite as bad, but it was it was quite horrific. It sounds really horrible. Yeah, you, you just remember when you were creeping towards my palm where I just shouted at you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Stop it. Wasn't ready yet. But <laughs> yeah, so you can only imagine how it's going to be. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'll... Uh, Maybe I'll be brave enough one day. <laughs> so as well as having a couple of bits and pieces on Northern Fire, 
um, you and Sigurbody have an online shop that you are running from Iceland as well. Could you tell us a bit about that too? Yeah, we started um, an online shop to keep all our wares because obviously it's easier for us to just deliver things straight from Iceland. And we wanted somewhere where people can actually look at it and, you know, feel free to browse. So I was very excited to open up an online shop. And yeah, you can actually check it out uh, through my website. Yeah. It's habanerotattoo.com. And uh, you can find Habanero or Ravenhilde on Instagram and Facebook as well, as well as on the uh, the Northern Fire website as well. So there's there's many there's many paths to, to find it. Yeah, just make sure to do habanero tattoo because otherwise you just get a bunch of chili peppers. <laughs> nice. Um, well, I guess. Uh, well, I, I'm actually just going to say that like, some of the things that are on your shop is like uh, you and Sig both have some wonderful bits of pyrography. Um, I like you gave a you gave a couple of bits to the Northern Fire project, like of. Um, uh, ravens uh, burnt onto bits of wood, and I got to say, I was I was so bloody sad to see those actually sell because I did hang them up in the studio for a brief while, and I just thought, told myself like, oh, you know, you'll do more, and then uh, I will see more of them in the future. But I think I'm just going to have to bloody commission one of the mafia because they're so lovely. Or I'll just give you one, Sean. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't hinting, but <laughs> I won't say no. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's all good. I I heard you loud and clear, <laughs> coming right up. All right, well we'll do a swap then if that's going to be the case. But it. Yeah, I'm always up for one of your wonderful items as well. Oh, thank you. But um, I do think it's wonderful to see to see other artists doing bespoke items and stuff as well, and not just churning stuff out on mass. It's nice to have because that's what you know. I know that you will also have that thing as well of like you will be learning every one you do in progressing in your sort of uh, um, artistic expression. It's, um, I can't, I can't keep my hands to myself when, whenever I just sit down, I can't just do nothing. And whenever we come together, we always sit down and, and do some, some things like whether it's painting or, you know, using, doing some leather work or anything else, um, you know it all too well as well. You just can't keep your hands still. I don't see the point. And I think that's really wonderful. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's really wonderful. And um, for people who are interested in our wares, it's really good that you can actually share it with yeah. other people. Well, I very much look forward to uh, to seeing your next project uh, with pyrography as well as your posts. Likewise. Awesome. Well, Ravenhilda, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in person, hopefully next year. Not too late. Yeah, I'll see you in Iceland and we'll do something really fun. <laughs>